Hello, greetings, good day. My name is Keith Gala, and welcome to another episode of That Was Great, wasn't it? This is the podcast where almost every week, as long as it is 33 years to the day of the original cartoon episode airing, that I am joined by my friends, both old and new, here or abroad. We reminisce on our youth feel the nostalgic power of some classic, with or without air quotes, Saturday morning cartoons from the 70s, 80s, or early 90s. They're all guaranteed to have us pondering the same philosophical conundrum. That was great, wasn't it? Our questionable decision to dive into the 1989 Karate Kid cartoon is nearly over. There's no more Cobra Kai coattails to ride. There's no more cabinet of curiosities to open. And even Wednesday is already fading from our minds, replaced by the joy of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas. But we still have time to unravel the mystery about Danielson, Mr. Miyagi, Taki, as they traverse the world trying to recapture the mysterious shrine... Uh, you can guess now if you think they really do or not. Joining me this week, new friend of the show, Alex Whiteley. Alex is the host of the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast, a show designed to celebrate the town of Shrewsbury, UK. Uh, it's, it's a town that is bursting at the seams with history, culture, inspiration, art. Not only that, it's a place that has a long-running reputation as one of the UK's original festival towns. Whether it be authors, artists, festivals, or the owner of the fantastic independent business, uh, The Biscuit has it all. Most importantly, Alex gives us our fifth international guest of the season. UK, Australia, and some multiple Canadians. Now, this season we have had a nice run of new guests, both old and new. We've had a nice run of new sponsors, some old sponsors. Either way, they're all great. Don't fast forward through them when we get to the break, okay? They're really fun. The Greatness Meter has been doing its thing uh, all along and more. M- more than expected. I mean, he's even voicing commercials if you make sure to stick around through those breaks. We will have uh, an episode of Series MVPs in this episode. And, uh, well, Series MVP in a couple weeks. First, we have to do our last uh, real Series Spotlight of the season. I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but uh, the Series Spotlight is brought to you by the Monster Hunters. Go to www.monsterhunters.com. Uh, find out more about that uh, very fun show that I do along with Derek and Terry where we're rewatching every episode of the Munsters find out what Herman and his grotesque family are up to each week um, sometimes wondering why they're even up to these things but uh, go ahead and check that out <clears throat> now despite the creators saying that this cartoon isn't part of the canon uh, we're still going to take a quick look at Cobra Kai uh, now, they just had their fifth season. It dropped the same time that we started our show. Uh, I guess they're going to be doing a sixth season as well. Um, if they don't address it there, I'm hoping uh, if they push to a seventh season that they decide to make the cartoon canon and, and maybe Taki comes through and Daniel and Johnny and, and some of the kids have to help her recover the shrine again. I mean, that would be amazing. And, and as far as canon, I mean, you can't really say that it's not part of the whole thing. Um, if there is one episode in season three, uh, they're at Chosen's Okinawa Dojo, and you see an object that looks very much like the shrine there. So, kind of a little little Easter egg hinting at it. Um, the show is very much filled with a lot of uh, cool cameos and Easter eggs overall. It's one of the things that I've thoroughly enjoyed about it. Uh, this was going to be originally on uh, like a YouTube, you know, premiere. Uh, uh, YouTube's like paid streaming service type thing 
But uh, due to budgets and stuff like that, it wasn't going to be able to match up, so they got switched over to Netflix, uh, where it started back in 2018. Now, it it's supposed to be about 30 years since uh, you know the All-Valley Tournament bout, and we get now middle-aged uh, Daniel and Johnny Lawrence finding themselves still martial arts rivals again. Uh, based on the outcome of that one tournament, you know Johnny has... Uh, He's hit rock bottom. He's an unemployed handyman and has a wasted life. And, you know, he decides to make, make good on it. And he tries to help out a kid who's being bullied uh, much the way that he used to bully Daniel uh, and Miguel. Um, and decides to start back up the, the Cobra Kai dojo that he's been away from all these years. Now, one thing that always bothers me is I, I think, like, Johnny's, like, already a two-time champ at that point. Like... He's undefeated going into that match. So, like, he's like a really good martial artist there in the Valley. Why his life would suddenly just fall apart just because he lost that one? Uh, I, I don't know. That's, uh, I guess we don't need to know the backstory of the villains. We move on to a new one in, in sequels stuff. But that's always bothered me throughout this entire series. Uh, we're going to hit a couple other really just quick notes and then we'll, we'll move on. I'm not going to stick around too much here. I don't want to spoil a lot of stuff in case some people haven't watched uh, all of this. I didn't care if I spoiled the other movies because they were, you know, 30 to 40 years old. Oh, boy. Yeah, I, don't want, yeah, I definitely don't want to think about that. Uh, feeling super old again. Um, speaking of super old, Ralph Macchio, uh, when he comes back in this, he's 56 years old uh, when this comes out which would be four years older than Pat Morita was at the time of the release of the original Karate Kid. That blows my mind. Ralph Macchio still looks uh, like a young man. Uh, and Pat Morita, you, know, you would have thought, was much older than 52 at the time that Karate Kid came out. Now, they, they do a lot of uh, little tie-ins. Back to the, uh, the original one. Bill Conti, who did the music score for the first movie, it's it's used a lot during the show, as well as some of the songs from the soundtrack. Um, the headband that Daniel wears when he's deciding to train is, I guess, it's the actual headband from the Karate Kid, and it was given to him after the completion of the first film. It was like a you know wrap wrap up gift. They let him uh, go ahead and hold on to that. Um, in I mentioned uh, earlier, there's a lot of like little Easter eggs and, and stuff like that in there, and I guess. You know, in addition to some of the music stuff, they, they even kind of dig a little bit deeper. Because in season two, uh, I guess uh, Sam is holding a book at one point in time, and it's The Outsiders, which uh, Ralph Macchio had starred in in 1983. Uh, <clears throat> uh, his character Johnny in that one. Uh, so it's kind of interesting that they tied that in there as well. Uh, villain for the last, most recent uh, season and a half, I guess, uh, Thomas E. Griffith. He originally turned down several offer, offers to come back and reprise uh, his role as Terry Silver, uh, mostly uh, citing uh, his retirement from acting for a while, but also uh, he wasn't very confident in it. And as soon as the show was hit, I'm sure uh, retirement all changed for him at that point. He's, he's pretty good as this villain, and uh, I don't know, it seems to go a little far once they get to the fifth season, but uh, I don't even know where the heck they're going to go now you know after this it's uh who knows but i will say that uh you know for the most part i really do enjoy this uh i, I do enjoy this uh movie uh, movie it was almost a movie 
but then they decided to go with the TV show to, to stretch it out. But I have really enjoyed, especially season one. I dug the overall concept. I wish they would have had Pat Marine around a little bit more. Also, like, I don't know, the cameos, Chosen, and all the other, and uh, bring back Matt Barnes in the, the last season and stuff, uh, have, has all been great. And I don't know, but still, I think, I don't know, I don't know. They kind of seem to wrap everything up here. I don't know what they want to really do uh, in season six. But, um, I don't know, it's been nominated for eight primetime Emmys, and it still seems to be very popular, so they want to continue on with it. Mm, yep, that's, I mean, that's mostly, uh, that's mostly what I can tell you uh, about it, the things that, that people wouldn't already know, uh, because it is uh, you know, current current show. I also don't, don't want to spoil anything, like I said, for people who are trying to catch up, and more importantly, I want to get you into uh, the episode. So we're going to take a quick commercial break, and then uh, we'll get back. When we come back, we'll be in San Francisco, our, our heroes, some geezers, and, uh, and Alex. Are you ready to make the holidays glisten? Are you ready to give the season yet another reason? Ready to give new meaning to spreading some holiday cheer? Well, our friends at Rage PR are here to help with all of the above. It'll be easy to stay on Santa's nice list if you leave a fresh can of mistletoe jamboree right next to the cookies. It's a festive raspberry flavor of some sort. Or imagine the look on a loved one's face when they unwrap a six-pack of fruitcake fizz or candy cane champagne. These small batch flavors are limited in supply so get them while you can. Come Christmas, or whichever winter-based holiday you celebrate, the real constant is Rage P. When it comes to energy drinks, they are number one. Neither Rage P or That Was Great Wasn't It is responsible for which of Santa's lists you end up on. He checks it multiple times, so be good all year long and don't worry about it. Season's greetings to one and all you dear Podfix listeners. No matter what holiday you celebrate this festive time of the year, the Podfix Network has the perfect gift for anyone and everyone on your list. Your mother, your father, your siblings. How about giving them a podcast? It's proof you really care. Aunties, uncles, cousins, or grandparents. Podcasts work too. Especially the high-quality shows of the Podfix Network that will let them know you spared no expense. Coworkers, white elephant exchanges amongst friends, the postman or woman, we got you covered. Even the holly jolly guy would dig finding a plate of cookies, a glass of milk, and a Bose speaker playing a Podfix Network show. Go to www.podfixnetwork.com to find all the different programs, thousands of episodes, even more hours, all guaranteed to stuff the stocking of the biggest Scrooge. So to paraphrase Cousin Eddie, the Podfix Network, shitter's full. Some things aren't meant to be found, and some of those things hide below the surface about three miles to be exact. Join Captain Terry on a self-contained underwater Munster apparatus tour. From the docks of the Munster Hunters Complex, you'll head out into international waters, where Captain Terry will take the scuba down where mere mortals were never meant to go. Past the ghosts of Joe Connolly and Bob Mosher, and just out of reach of the jaws of a hungry Meg. Look close and you'll see Norm Liveman waving. A sign of greetings or a warning to go back. Keep your seatbelts buckled as the skooma enters the gates of hell and a cornucopia of monsters related details guaranteed to help you win any monsters themed pub trivia night float pie. Don't stare for too long though. That's how things come back. 
and welcome back from the break, everyone. Oh man, where where did we come from? Where are we now? Well, uh, when last we left our trio, uh, they were letting us know that thanks to the Podfix Network and this Podfix recap, go to podfixnetwork.com for more about this show and other great shows. Wow, that's a terrible segue to get that in there. Uh, but it's also a terrible segue to get from Norway to San Francisco, if we remember. Daniel, Taki, or Tak, uh, in, in that episode of Mr. Miyagi, they were uh, chasing down the white whale, trying to stop a rogue fisherman from killing the whale, because all the whale did was swallow the shrine and then start to defend itself. I don't think it was actually doing any like evil things. It just was trying to defend itself. Mr. Miyagi eventually uh, dove in the water, wrestled the whale, kind of choked it out a bit, and then made it cough up the shrine. And when he got within a foot of it, he decided he had to go back and save Daniel. And thus, it kind of drifted away and made it itself from Norway over to San Francisco, where we are now with our trio and our guest, Alex. Alex, welcome back. Well, not welcome back, but <laughs> welcome to the show. Welcome back from the commercial break, obviously, but uh, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Oh, man. Uh, I tell you what, the the shrine, it, it knows it knows no boundaries. <laughs> it knows no actual waterways. Um, it's, it's and also... <laughs> Obviously, I mean, if, if Mr. Miyagi's going to choke out a whale for it, it's got to be worth something, right? <laughs> Oh, it's it's super magical, super powerful. Um, yeah. We learned a bit in episode eight, maybe what it's about. But I think we're also really starting to confirm that these folks had no idea what they were doing when they originally scheduled 65 episodes. And then the first 13 that got made are what they put out there and didn't care about order. <laughs> I only got one episode uh, left of this, and I know it's not going to solve or have any type of resolve or cliffhanger. Because we already had that in episode eight. I really, it's, I am not, I'm starting to get actually mad at the show now, but. <laughs> I need resolve. I need, I need to have a bit of closure. <laughs> oh, well, you're going to have a lot of sleepless nights after this because uh, you're not going to get that at all. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know how many sleepless nights uh, our heroes get either because they are very much going around the globe. And like I said, uh, they were just in Norway. Um, Outside of Mr. Miyagi, who seems to like flash some cash around every now and then, he does it in this episode. They have no money. They seem to work from place to place, and I don't know. They, uh, I don't know how they get where they're going, or like how much time passes in between these things. How long does it take Mr. Miyagi to find out where the the, the shrine is? He seems to have like a, a spidey sense type thing, or like a, a he's like a Jedi finding this thing. <laughs> Which is another problem I'm going to have with this episode as we get through. So let's let's dive into it. I mean, uh, Alex, have you ever been to San Francisco? I haven't. No, um, the only place I've ever been to in America is not really America. It's Hawaii. Uh, it's, it's not really on the American coast, but yeah, it still counts. Still counts. It counts. It counts to you folks in Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah, to our big Hawaiian listenership. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a big thing. <laughs> Uh, I've been to San Francisco once, and I, I tell you what, they represented very nice in this opening with the beautiful panning view. We get the bay. The trolley cars are rolling by. I mean, uh, I, all that was really missing is maybe the the row of full house houses and, you know, like some <laughs> rice-a-roni. 
Like a Rice yeah. Roni commercial. From what I've seen from the movies and TV and whatnot, it, it resembled San Francisco. You know, had the yeah, trolley from, from watching The Rock. Yeah, you know, stuff like uh, that. Miss yeah. Doubtfire. That was that was San Francisco, wasn't it? Mrs. Doubtfire. That's uh, yeah. uh, uh, the Presidio. I think is over there as well. Yeah, and all those cool things that represent San Francisco perfectly. It, it's it's all right there in one nice little ten second animated <laughs> pan through. Uh, and then the camera zooms in. There seems to be con- some construction going on, and this older lady. Um, She's not really dressed up for the construction zone, though. Uh, she is wearing a, a pink boa. She's got a dress to match. Um, she's walk, walking around in heels. Those heels. And she runs up, and she just starts yelling at them, please stop, this is their home, it's all I have. And then she faints. Or does she? <laughs> yes, folks, it is all a ruse. Uh, another older lady that we see, uh, her name is Faith, we're going to find out, is letting air out of the tires of some of the construction vehicles. I didn't think it was that simple to do with construction vehicles. And then there's, uh, yeah, there's an older gentleman wearing a, a a pot on his head, like a cooking pot, not a, which I think it would be more, it'd be more logical if he was wearing like a, a planting pot on his head because of the fact that like, he seems to be a farmer the whole time. And he also has a bazooka or t-shirt cannon, like from like a you know like a a, a sports game, the old t-shirt cannon, and shooting that out. He seems to have one of them. And then this third lady, who is um, Mrs. Farmer, she comes in and she just yells, "Sawsome!" Now, if anybody yells that at me, I am I'm running fast and getting does, the hell out of there what does is that an american thing is that something that everybody knows what it is or is it well i yeah. think it's just because they're shooting tomatoes at them so like <laughs> tomato sauce because they oh, start sauce. like she starts oh, I thought, yeah <laughs> i thought you meant so as in it's awesome sawsome i don't know sauce them oh sauce no them. but i'm gonna yeah. no but i'm gonna use that now it's awesome <laughs> this episode is awesome <laughs> yeah i think oh i yeah i am gonna take that thank you Hope you don't mind. And feel free to use it uh, yourself as well. My gift. I'm not going to copyright it or anything. <laughs> uh, she starts throwing tomatoes at the workers and and their uh, vehicles. The guy with the bazooka-looking thing, he starts shooting them uh, and just like starts nailing this crane that's there with a giant wrecking ball on it. And this, this causes the driver to lose control of it. And obviously, when you lose control, what do you do? You jump out. You jump out of the giant vehicle that you've left running, swinging yeah. out of control. That could do a lot of damage. Hmm. Yeah, it's definitely Nugget, 80s, uh, isn't it? <laughs> it's definitely yes. 80s, isn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, over the summer, I did Bigfoot and the Muscle Machines, and that was probably the most 80s cartoon possible with all the stuff they did. But, yes, this is a very much uh, a move that you would see in the 80s is like the guy just quickly like jumping out of whatever large vehicle he was supposed to be uh, mm. in charge of. On cue, swinging in like a wrecking ball, not like Spider-Man or Miley Cyrus, but Mr. Miyagi, Daniel, Taki. They come in, and Daniel is like, hey, what what's going on up there? Because uh, if everyone remembers in episode three, his, his buddy Papa Tony, who owns the 
pizza place. He might like that tomato cannon um, for like promotional stuff. Like, you know, he, so he can run around yelling, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, with the pizza sushi that, that he was going to try and sell after Taki turned it. Told him about it, but they didn't tell us about it. Man, I'm having a lot of flashbacks here of things I'm upset with the show. Still want to know what pizza sushi is. I'm not surprised. I think this uh, this whole series, we're going to give you a bit of PTSD. It's so anxious driven. It's so anxious. The whole thing. Oh, yeah. I'm, yeah. Uh, Daniel's never calm at all. I mean, he's like, he's basically like my rat terrier during this entire thing. He's just yeah. always on edge. Mr. Miyagi's calm and Can then I- does crazy stuff. Can I point out the first thing that I noticed from these opening scenes, by the way, is that Danny LaRusso is like six foot ten. <laughs> he's so tall. He's like six. He's, I was like, wow, how tall did they make this kid? <laughs> well, it also depends on what scene I think you're in. I mean, sometimes he looks like he's four foot two. Um, <laughs> I don't think there is. There's no there's no consistency to the animation. Uh, what I will say, though, is and one thing that they have made consistent throughout this whole thing is uh Daniel can, I mean, he's pretty good with with the karate stuff. He's pretty much an idiot for the rest of it, but he, I mean, he can kick kick some butt. He can do a lot of stuff. Yeah, not quite Miyagi level, but he does does a whole lot. Um, but he usually gets them into trouble because of his curiousness. Now, I'd be curious too if a if a motorcycle came speeding by as I was looking at somebody shooting a tomato cannon, and saw it wipe out on some tomatoes, skidding to a halt. And then, you know, as you're watching that, suddenly out of the corner of your eye, you see a wrecking ball that's swinging around, snap loose, and then it just starts to roll. Daniel, always uh, on the move to help people, runs up, helps the motorcyclist up. They start to run. It's very Indiana Jones-like with the giant boulder, but now we get a wrecking ball, which is gigantic compared to what it looked like when it was on the crane. Like, I mean, yeah. So Daniel now maybe has shrunk. You mentioned he was bigger. Now he shrunk, and that wrecking ball just got gigantic. But it's it's coming down on them pretty pretty fast. Taki, she hasn't done a lot, um, like a lot of like major stuff. I mean, she did some cooking in the last episode, but like she's been a little bit quieter lately. And in this one, uh, she takes action. She runs up, hops into the crane, swings it around so that the rope that the wrecking ball was previously tied to. Uh, goes towards Daniel and the motorcyclist. Daniel uh, grabs the, the rope, grabs the motorcyclist, swing out of the way right before the wrecking ball hits. Uh, and the crane swing ends when a pickup truck full of hay and a goat pulls up just perfectly and they land right into it. I mean, it's some big-time action. Yeah. It makes no sense, but it's some big-time action. I mean, I, I remember like when I was a kid during this era... The sort of early nineties, late eighties, I guess. Um, sleepily waking up on a Saturday morning <laughs> to watch cartoons, and this would have definitely like got me pumped. <laughs> it would have been like, "Whoa, what's going on?" There's all It's not like an easy watch, is it? It's it, like I said, it, it, it doesn't induce a lot of anxiety. And in the first few seconds of this episode, it's just I'm already a mess. I can just imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so um, you grew up in the UK your entire life, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so Saturday, Saturday morning cartoons, fully a thing as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, and we're talking, you know, uh, Inspector Gadget and uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and oh, perfect, yeah. You know that that, that sort of era. <clears throat> Attack of the Killer <laughs> the, Tomatoes. 
random yeah. stuff. Okay. How could that is that was a cartoon? That is insane that that was actually a cartoon as well. Yeah. Yeah. Nuts. Um, but that's what the, that's what 80s cartoons were. Let's take a movie and turn it into something. I'm sure the tomatoes traverse the globe, you know, traveling from place to place as well. <laughs> that's what everyone seems to do here. Yeah. <clears throat> now, uh, our motorcyclist uh, takes their helmet off and it's an older lady. Uh, Daniel seems a bit annoyed at this, probably because he hopes it was going to be another young damsel in distress that he could flirt with the whole episode. But no, this lady, according to him, is old enough to be his grandmother and thus shouldn't be on a motorbike. No. Now, Daniel had... Well, Daniel wasn't so much bothered by it, I think, but he, well, he did bring it up last time about, like, you know, he didn't want Taki going to work on the boat because the fishing boat needed men to work, not a woman. And now he's got issues with old ladies driving motorcycles and stuff, but I don't know. Um, but this lady, she seems to agree with him. She's like, tell me something I don't know already, Sonny. Now, out of my way, she jumps down and runs off. And Daniel's like, man, some granny, I save her, and she doesn't even invite me over for milk and cookies. And he looks, he seems to be looking at the heavens while saying it. So I don't know if that means his grandma's passed or what. I don't know, but because uh, he's going to make a couple other comments like that. Also, we're going to find out why she didn't invite him over for milk and cookies a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Uh, cue the Miyagiism, and again, folks, in a few episodes, I will recap my my ten favorite Miyagiisms. This is in the running. Old granny's not cut from same cookie jar, Daniel Sound. <laughs> <laughs> that make that makes no sense. Oh man, it's, it, I, I love Miyagi. it because it's it's uh, it's Pat Morita parodying himself. He he couldn't get any. It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's it's uh, it's Robert Ito parodying Pat Morita, uh, parodying himself. Mm. Uh, Is that not Pat Morita? Does the the voice then? No, he he only does the intros. Oh, but it's a it's a really good impression, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yeah, I've just I've actually okay. So I've got it up on IMDb at the moment. And I didn't read it properly. <laughs> yeah. So if, yeah. So if you uh, like, when this first aired, and you know you didn't have the internet ready, easily handy to look up stuff, IMDb, you couldn't go look up stuff. You probably thought Pat and Rita did the whole thing. Yeah, I thought he's because um, because Ido does a great job the whole time. I was like, is he putting on a deeper voice? <laughs> and that makes sense. I was like, is he mm-hmm. putting? Deep- yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, but he's still he's still like, I don't know, Mister Miyagi wouldn't even say something that silly. I don't think. I mean cut from the same cookie jar i mean what are you cutting from a cookie jar you either steal from a cookie jar or you cut from a cloth the one or two you can't combine those i think they're trying to get that the kind of missing translation that kind of like the, the kind of half english that some somebody might speak if they're not too afraid with the language mm-hmm. maybe yeah um, but still i mean yeah silly <laughs> come up with come up with a better saying then you know a whole episode where you just repeated a whole thing about a fox chasing a rabbit uh, as as like a uh, you know comparison for stuff throughout the whole thing. You could have picked something better than this. Now let's cut to Taki. She runs over to the tomato coated couple. Um, apparently, while they were throwing and shooting tomatoes, they also got stuff all themselves. The man still has a pan on his head. She asks if they're hurt, and uh, the older lady says only their pride. Now the older woman, uh, Arista as we're going to find out, who distracted the men in the first place, 
She approaches Mr. Miyagi, thanks him for the help. And while she does, the foreman of the construction crew comes stomping over. All right, you geezers. You got 24 hours to come up with the back pay of your house by the order of Martin P. Frump. <laughs> a terrible name. What a terrible, terrible name. It's uh, yeah, you, you can tell where it's aimed at, can't you? And straight away, I was like, oh, my God, things haven't changed. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of got the same out. vibe, too. I'm like, <laughs> but it, it's just it's not even a clever name overall for like, like, I don't frump. I don't know. Anyway, he's like, read it and weep. And immediately I'm like, oh, this is going to be like, we now need to go find one eyed Willie's treasure. <laughs> and. I also want to call out, and man, I hate this because I have called out Mr. Miyagi for doing some questionable things throughout this. Um, but if you stop the frame at a certain point, Mr. Miyagi is sneaking glance at uh, Arista's uh, breasts. Ooh, his eyes are like mm, looking straight down at her. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, um, hmm. okay, Mr. Miyagi. Now, like I said, uh, that's Arista. We had Ma and Pa, Tomato, and then we also have Faith. She's the one that was on the motorbike. Uh, she walks up. She tells Arista to cut the dramatics. She has a way to save the house. Reaches in her coat pocket and pulls out a pamphlet for the the annual. Well, I'm gonna remember remember again. It's supposed to be annual. Marvin P. Frump Finders Keepers Car Rally. The other old older couple walks over, and the man says, Marvin has given away a gray ghost. That looks just like the one we used to have. Uh, which reminds me that this episode is actually called The Gray Ghosts. And uh, apparently these folks were... They're a group of senior citizens that call themselves gray ghosts because they're enthusiasts for this, this car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this guy must have stole the car away from them somehow because um, it looks just like the one that they have. Now, Faith hatches her master plan. They're going to win the race in the car? No. She just wants to find out where Marvin lives and steal it and then sell it. Well, if you win the race, you could actually, like, get the car. Yeah. <laughs> like, why do you have to go and... Especially because it seems like in order to find out where he lives and steal the car, you're going to run the race anyway. Do you think they went for a dastardly and muttly type thing? That's kind of like yes, yeah. Oh, uh, was it wacky races? Wacky races, yeah, yeah. That's the first thing that kind of popped into my head uh, as well. Was that they're going to do that? But I'm like, she, she's telling them that they're going to run in a race, but, but at the end they're just going to steal it. I think it's because apparently. Nobody's ever won this stuff, this race before either. Oh, okay. Like that's that's the other thing. Like they they mentioned that nobody's won before. Um Lord and danger. Yeah. The the finders keepers race is apparently like a a scavenger hunt. It's not like a like a rally race or anything like that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Through the streets of San Francisco. All right. Uh Daniel, ever the voice of reason in these shows walks over and tells them they can't enter the race, and not because they're geezers, but because it looks dangerous. I mean, I think he thinks it's dangerous because they're our old, but, you know, also the word geezer is kind of funny. <clears throat> uh, Faith is willing to take the chances if it means they can stop Frump, even if no one has won the race before. And Arista then mentions that Frump owns Frump Studios, 
along with most of the other stuff in this town. She's hoping maybe she can, you know, maybe finagle a leading role in a movie. Uh, but then Faith calls them all together. She's like, what do you say? Are the gray ghosts going to ride again? I love that, by the way. <laughs> I really do love that. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're not going to ride in your car. But yeah, sure. Why not? Now, Taki does the obvious. She walks over and she's like, who the hell are the gray ghosts? Turns out these four people bought a touring car back in the day with that name. The same one that's up uh, for the winner of this race. And Taki notices there's a fifth person in the picture. And before anyone can tell her much, Faith grabs the picture and says it's some dummy who ran out on them. Can I ask, did you Mm -hmm. guess the plot at that second? We won't talk about the plot, obviously, but did you guess what was going to happen? Uh, yes, I, I <laughs> guessed part of I guessed part of it. A, a little little twist will come, but you know, I yeah. which I did like. There's something I wasn't expecting. Um, but yeah, uh, yes, it's very obvious. This is probably going to be Frump. Now let's get going because the race starts at noon. <laughs> like what? Like in 15 minutes? Good lord! Don't you have to register? I don't know. Sign some waivers? Anything? Now. The whole time that this is going on, Mr. Miyagi is reading the flyer. And Daniel, again, he expresses concern about these uh, old folks doing this. Mr. Miyagi quotes his father. If can't beat them, join them. I don't think that's his father's quote. No. But uh, he's paraphrasing there from somebody. And when Taki asks, like, what do you mean? He points at the flyer, and there's an outline of what could be the shrine in the window. Now, two things I noticed. One, it could be a houseplant. And two... I somehow forgot all about the shrine in the opening of this thing. I'm I'm in this is episode twelve of me watching these folks traverse around the globe trying to find this thing, and I actually forgot all about it. I think that should be a good sign for what they've done in this episode so far. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, let's cut. Uh, by the way, uh, and Alex, since you've you know, you dove in uh, on this episode, and I'm assuming you didn't watch the previous eleven. Uh, the shrine is is a relic; it's not an actual like shrine yeah. church type thing, which yeah. they tried to dupe us all into when they were in the uh, the Amazon to start the whole thing. And I thought they were looking for like a temple. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's cut to the start of the race. The older couple are in the truck. It's filled with a goat, some plants, etc. And Taki's like, uh, why do we need to bring all this with? Uh, and and the lady says, well, I mean, we never leave the farm anywhere. So it turns out it's like a mobile garden. So these folks, they, they actually were probably way ahead of their time. Uh, they're driving around like a full garden in a truck uh, wherever they go, I guess. I, I don't know. It seems like a weird thing, but it seems like something that you'd probably see like in San Francisco nowadays. Uh, Arista, which I, I'm thinking is like sh- supposed to be short for aristocrat because she's like always done up like very fancy. Um, she's ready to go in her pink Cadillac, but Mr. Miyagi can't get the trunk closed. She tells him go easy or he will scratch the paint. Uh, and he fires back. Sometimes need scratch surface. See what's underneath. <laughs> um, also, the reason he can't close the trunk is because it's filled with like all these like old like uh, looks like uh, clothes from like stage plays and stuff like that that she just keeps around in her car. No, yeah, did you? I you seem to like you seem to like that Miyagiism. Yeah, and I, I love how he, like you know in the movies he's very gentle with things and he always finds a knack. 
But with this, mm-hmm. he's just hammering the trunk. He's a bam, bam. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh, yeah. He's, he's very violent. Uh, yeah, he's, not, <laughs> he's not very easy with cars in, in this. There's a couple times where he just, like, he kicks a, a van at one time to get to work. <laughs> he's going to do something else here in a, in a few minutes. Yeah. Now, um, we cut over to Faith. She's sitting in the sidecar of the motorbike. She's not happy. Daniel's putting a number five sticker on it. She says she wants to know why she can't drive. And Daniel's like, because your motorcycle license is expired and mine's not. And those are the rules. Does he even have one? <laughs> He's a kid. Yeah. Um, i got to let you into a little secret. I actually love Faith. I wrote, as I was watching this, I wrote Faith with a big love heart on my notebook. Because I think she's amazing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's not your typical, uh, your typical uh, grandmother type lady. I, I, I quoted super, super granny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's she's, a good call, super granny. Yeah. She's an absolute badass, and I love her. Mm-hmm. But her license expired, so she's she can't drive that motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, now, as Faith says, no one cares about that stuff. We pan out to a man watching on closed caption TV. I'm, I have a problem with this because this closed caption, like security cam TV thing is everywhere. Yeah. Um, it's Frump. He is, uh, he's in a wheelchair. He can't believe Faith is there already kind of giving away uh, part of the plot there even more. And like, okay, I get it. He owns, they, they say he owns a lot of town. Like he really does seem to own a lot of places where he can just watch people from his, from his mansion. Again, um, he, like real life. I mean, this <laughs> I couldn't get yeah. closer to what's going on right now, could you really? Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, he's got, it's not even like a security cam either, though. It's like uh, very good, like he's got like a 4D cam with good microphones and everything <laughs> all over town. Yeah. Uh, he tells the Blues Brothers, that's what I'm calling his henchmen because that's what they look like to me, to go to the Chinatown office and wait for his call. Henchman number one, he's like, why are you worried about some 80-year-old lady? Uh, he doesn't know that this is super granny. And the guy says, do as I say. He slams his hand on the desk. And then picks up a picture frame that he has uh, seemed to have knocked over. And it's the gray ghosts. Obviously now connecting further our thoughts uh, that the fifth guy was frump. He then tells the henchman, uh, you don't know Faith Baldwin like I do. He said it's very creepy, too. <laughs> Like, he knows a whole lot about her. Things you don't want to know about your grandmother. Now, cut to Daniel Faith. They're <laughs> riding along on the bike. <laughs> and, and and Daniel stops for a red light. She's like, like, why are you stopping? And he's like, look, it's, it's the law. We got to stop. But also, why are we just driving around like it's a normal day? Isn't this supposed to be like an annual race? Like, shouldn't they have like stuff like, like the race path? Like... <laughs> blocked off and stuff so they can just kind of go along. That's when it also occurs to me finally, oh, it's a scavenger hunt because she's mentioned they have to go find um, from one location to the next to find out where the mansion and the great ghost is. And we know from episode two that Daniel is not a big fan of riddles, but we're going to go along with it anyway. What burns the sky but not, does not see... What burns the sky but does not need a single stick of wood to feed. Now, Daniel goes for the obvious. Um, a lamppost? Uh, no, no. A, a fire... F- Ooh, excuse me. Burped. Uh, a firefly? No, no, no. Wait, wait. 
a dragon. Dragons can breathe fire. And also, when you look up, there's this giant dragon kite flying in the sky. And of course, blowtorches uh, don't exist in this world. <laughs> no, no, because that would be another one. Yeah, there yeah, we go. Or, or uh, hot air balloon. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's got to be. Yeah, there's got to be plenty of other things that possibly could do do this. But his his progression of lamppost, firefly, and I think Faith even says, "Oh, you're getting closer." <laughs> Jump right to dragon. Uh, and they're in Chinatown, so they see this this kite up in the sky. Apparently, that is where the next clue is like I, even if it wasn't the older people how are they supposed to expect people to get all the way up onto the roof of this place and, and get to it doesn't seem like there's any easy access to it all right uh we cut back again to frump he wants them to shut down the building so she doesn't get the next clue henchman number two again questions the little lady and frump is like it's my building so shut it down and he wonders to himself why is faith back to haunt him after all these years I was more wondering if he's in charge of this annual race. Like, why is he going to shut down the building so nobody can find out what the next clue is? Hmm. I have, I have, I have logistics issues. <laughs> uh, now, Daniel and Faith are outside of the building there in Chinatown. They want to go up to the top and and find the next clue, but it's closed because of plumbing issues. Again, uh, in my notes uh, right here, it just seems very uh, overall odd. They're shutting down the first clue. I also don't know who else is running this race besides our our group of gray ghosts and their three different vehicles. I, you see nobody else. There's nobody else who tries to beat them to any of the stuff either, uh, which probably would have been maybe a decent thing to do is throw somebody else in along the way. Now, uh, Faith doesn't care what the issues are. She's not going to let anyone catch up. She grabs uh, a hose. Uh, it's got the little spray nozzle on the, on the end of it. She swings it around and then lassos it up uh, near the roof, kind of like a uh, grappling hook. She then shivvy, shimmies all the way up it while Daniel is still in shock that old people can do anything. Hmm. Now, she mentioned she was a mountain climber back in the day. That's why she had no problem doing it. As she gets to the top of the building... Um, She's like, what, what am I supposed to do? Just sit at home and, break, and bake brownies all day? And Daniel's like, yeah, that's what my grandma does. Faith, you probably like this one since you love this lady a lot. Yeah. She fires back, I'm not your grandma. <laughs> no. Now, uh, just as she's about to reach uh, in the dragon's mouth, the next clue, the drain pipe she's holding onto breaks off, leaves her dangling in the air. Daniel quickly calls Miyagi on the walkie-talkie. He's like, hey, got to get over here. Cut to the pink car. Uh, Arista is brushing her hair and checking in the rearview mirror. Miyagi quickly, again, he's usually nice with people. He's not with these folks. I think because they're his same age. He's nicer to the younger folks. And then these people he's, like, very blunt with. He takes away, the, and he says, no brush and drive. We then get Daniel's voice over the walkie-talkie on their end. Saying, hurry, it's an emergency. Arista's panicky. They're in trouble. Do something, Mr. Miyagi. She's she's the one driving in. Mr. Miyagi goes, he's not playing around. He's like, you in driver's seat. You want to be actress. Good time to start acting. No. <laughs> that, that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, like, uh, acting what? Like, are you, like, or or was, like, again, is this, like, a translation thing? Like, it's supposed to be time to get into action? I think so, but, like, 
when I think you when you think of actors, you know, I think of improv on a stage using a hula hoop as a steering wheel. <laughs> you know I mean? like, yeah, make any sense whatsoever. No, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you're expecting her to just hand him the the uh, the steering wheel. Here, Mister Miyagi, do something. What? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's like, you're in the driver's seat. Time to start acting. Uh, Arista floors it. Taki and the older couple, they also hear the the news on their walkie-talkie. They hightail it over, taking a turn, quickly losing this year's turnip crop. Because, again, they're driving a mobile mobile farm. Mm-hmm. Now, cut back to Faith and Daniel. Daniel is just about there when Faith slips and falls, but uh, Arista and Miyagi arrive at the same time. Miyagi karate chops the car. God, the I trunk full of clothes pops open. Oh, yeah, he's not... He, he is not being nice to this car. This uh, lovely pink Cadillac, as you believe it is. Uh, the trunk full of clothes pops open. Nice, soft landing. And uh, Harris is worried about the clothes. So Miyagi again is rough with her. He goes, get with it. We got to hook that dragon, which, by the way, has now just kind of floated down and has landed on the farming truck, blocking their view. Now, they speed up alongside it and... It's a very odd cut, right? Like, it cuts like he's kind of just standing there. He grabs the clues out and one-handedly moves this thing off of him. It floats away. But, like, it wasn't like... It didn't seem like he was, like, in the car anymore. Like, it it was a very odd way that they edited that together. What? Some of the animation on this was inconsistent? No. Yeah. Surely not. Mm. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then on cue, the farm truck pops a tire. I mean, it could have done that just a little bit earlier, and then they wouldn't have had any crazy thing with the, the dragon. They, but, yeah, it's it's good writing. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, we faded Mr. Miyagi, handing all three of them clue envelopes. Taki watches on while Daniel helps change a tire. The most heroic move of them all, if you ask me. Farmer lady then thinks maybe this is too dangerous. Uh, Arista thinks it's too expensive because she's looking at all her beat-up clothes in the trunk getting wrinkled. We cut to Frump. Again, he's watching. He's got another camera. He thinks they are ready to give up uh, after this, but no. Faith, she opens the envelope, reads the clue. What stands but does not walk, what weeps but does not, or but sheds no tears. <clears throat> she's like, oh, perfect. Weeping Willow. Arista's like, oh, there's a lot of those in Golden Gate Park. Which is, by the way, a very clever clue. For a cartoon like this, I was like, oh, that's actually really good. Yeah, it's much better than uh, when they're in Hong Kong and um, they referred to the sewer system as a dark tunnel in a riddle there. <laughs> okay. Again, I think if you think a few, a few ex-girlfriends. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Uh. Uh. <laughs> uh. Oh, boy. Um, faith has little faith. She tells Arisa she couldn't find her way out of a paper bag. Arisa pretty much uh, says, the fuck you very much. And her and Miyagi take off. Faith hops on the motorbike, is ready to give chase. Daniel looks up from uh, the tire he was changing, which I kind of thought maybe he wasn't going to finish changing and it was going to fall off along the way. So I'm glad they didn't just go with that cliche thing. But he runs over, hops into the sidecar, they drive away. The farmer couple and Taki take off as well. Faith's like, I'm going to take the shortcut. They go down a one-way alley. A forklift with barrels full of molasses uh, 
turns. It has to slam on its brakes because obviously they're going the wrong way. They don't want to hit uh, these folks on the motorcycle. Causes one of the barrels to fall. But Daniel jump kicks it <laughs> and then lands right back in the seat. Like, if you jump out of the out of the vehicle, the vehicle's not stopping. <laughs> yep. he, he hopped up and, and, and still manages. And then he's mad that's molasses. Ugh. Also, smashed it. There's no molasses all over anything. He's not coated with it. She's not coated with it. Nope. It's not gumming up the motorcycle. Just boom. Again, I just like the most powdered molasses. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the, well, I, well, I think in eight, more eighties, like they would have hit that. And then there would have been like a flower, like a pallet of flour after it that they would have hit. So then they would have been like coated with that. And then they would have, Smash through some cages of chickens. So when they came out the other end, they had like, yeah, they, you know, and all, and all you'd be able to see is like their goggles that they had on uh, for riding and everything else would be covered in feathers and everything. So I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're trying it's to just be the ridiculousness of it. You know, it's all like all mm-hmm. action, but no sense. <clears throat> That's the kind of thing. What I'm getting at, I think. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, cut to uh, Arista Miyagi. Then cut to the farmers in Taki. Um, we get this weird look inside the truck. The brake fluid starts to leak because obviously they got to have another problem. Yeah. Faded them all uh, making it to Golden Gate Park. I think they're all coming in from different like uh, entrances as well. Faith is driving in like a bat out of hell. When Daniel points to the pickup truck coming right at them, they try to pump the brakes. It's a no-go, and they crash into the motorcycle. That thing, like shatters all over the place sends faith and daniel flying off to the side then we cut to uh arista her hands are over her face she can't look she's still the one driving <laughs> uh, i as much as as much as you like faith i really don't like uh arista in this mm-hmm. miyagi grabs the wheel last second to avoid the crash and stops just shy of a tree meanwhile the farm truck hops a bump and lands in a pond the farmer couple taki and the goat all swim the shore. Mr. Miyagi says the great ghosts ain't what they used to be. Wow, what a what a cheap shot there. I know. <clears throat> yeah. Now, back over at the motorcycle, Faith is pissed that Daniel messed up her concentration by pointing out the truck was barreling at them. And now her bike is toast and her hip hurts. Now, they are in the middle of a park, folks. Middle of Golden Gate Park. We pan out. Frump is still watching. I'd like, does he have a drone? What's how's he doing this? These are amazing hidden cameras he has all over San Francisco. He says that should do it for the ghosts, but then he says, "If I got what I wanted, why does it feel so bad?" This guy's got a heart. He's got a heart in there. Yeah, bit of empathy. Yeah. Uh, back in the park, Arista doing her hair. The farmers are questioning if this is all worth it. Taki tells Faith they need a pep talk, and she obliges, and she goes, and then she's like, I'm out of here. Taki, too, storms off. She's like, I quit then, too. Faith declares she doesn't need any of them. Eris says, it's fine. We don't need you either. We should have never lived together in the first place. Now, these are people I think have been living together for like 60 years. Uh, she now then, not now, <laughs> yeah. Now, it, this is the final straw. You know, the, the fact that you don't clean up your side of the bathroom, nope. No. Uh, this it's gonna be this. Uh, she then probably falls on her ass. She looks up at the farmers, 
says she doesn't trust Faith. She must know something. Uh, and then she storms off. The farmer lady tells farmer man, you know, let's go before they all try to pull the wool over our eyes. She, They don't trust the other two ladies either. <clears throat> Fade to Mr. Miyagi, Taki, Daniel, looking at uh, the pink Cadillac. Mr. Miyagi is checking under the hood, and Daniel reveals that Faith reminds him of his grandma, who got hurt while rock climbing and has never been the same. Well, so we yeah. see that's the way he's got a, a lot of connections here. Yeah. Then Miyagi says, Face like all compatible. Mm-hmm. Just because few parts loose. By, by parts, I assume he meant screws loose. Doesn't mean no have lots of my left on engine. He then makes a monkey, uh, monkey wrench magically appear, spins around his hand, hits the motor, and boom, starts it up. So I don't know, maybe he needs to hit Faith with the wrench as well and all be good. Again, know. just overly aggressive with vehicles. Just, just no respect at all for the classics. Which, which is weird because like he has all those like classic cars in the movie that he's teaching Daniel how to take care of. Never once does he just hammer away at it. There's no wax on, wax off. It's more like whack on and whack off again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully he wasn't teaching Daniel about never whacking mind. on. Never mind. We won't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, or at least the second part. Um, <clears throat> Daniel <laughs> says Faith yeah. is pushing it too far. Now, we see Faith sneaking over to listen in. Uh, we see Arisa sneaking behind her to listen in, also climbing a tree. And we see the farmers who suddenly have a goat-drawn cart of plants sneak up on all of them to listen. Where the hell did they get that thing? <laughs> I, like, they have a whole new farm, like, ready to go all of a sudden. It, that is an incredibly baffling thing. Now, uh, Miyagi says, look, we got to get back to the focus about the shrine. Again, I forgot about it. Taki wants to use it to help the old folks, but Mr. Miyagi warns it's not Aladdin's lamp. I mean, and and I don't know why she would think it would do anything to help. It's only caused problems this whole time. Daniel says it'll take more than a shrine to help Faith, and on cue, she pops up, grabs a bicycle, declares she doesn't need some shrine to help this stubborn old lady, and then she starts to uh, ride off. She's got this walking stick with her because her hip was hurting. She chucks it over her shoulder, it hits Arista, who's been climbing up in the willow tree. It knocks her out of the tree, along with the next clues. The clues float down, uh, and then they all ride off to win on their own. Mom, Pa, Farmer take off as if they're being pulled by Thor's goats. <laughs> Faith starts to pedal away. She's got a bad hip, but man, she is chucking away on that uh, on that bike. Daniel grabs the other bicycle there and gives chase. Uh, and then Arista drives off the car, leaving Taki and Miyagi behind. Taki's like, now we've got no way to get anywhere. Miyagi looks around and says, I have an idea. We're going to come back to that. Because it's a brilliant idea. Yes. Cut to the Golden Gate Bridge. Ma Farmer reads the next clue. Go over the bridge to the Red Rock, then up to the mountaintop. So it's not really a clue. It's just like, here's directions now. Now, they're flying along, uh, but suddenly, bad hip and all, Faith bikes right by them. Daniel chasing. He wants to talk it over, uh, talk it out over milk and cookies. His treat. Now, she goes, I never touched the stuff. <laughs> it's milk and cookies, not cocaine, which I think she's on because she is just flying away here at this point. 
So he's offering an ayahuasca. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, this is why she didn't invite him over for milk and cookies after saving her before, because she doesn't touch that stuff. Don't do, don't do cookies, kids. (laughs) Suddenly, Arista cruises by and tells them all to get out the way. Cut to Daniel, very winded. Faith is chugging along, no problem. Daniel is wiped out. Uh, For a two-time All-Valley champ, he seems like maybe they didn't work on too much cardio. Now, cut back. Mr. Miyagi and Taki. Taki seems unsure, but Mr. Miyagi assures her that the hot dog cart turned hot air balloon should get them to the mountaintop. Otherwise, Miyagi's idea full of hot air. Oh, it's so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking, oh, he's going to get that thing and he's going to kind of like use it as like a rickshaw or something like that, not making a hot air balloon. (laughs) Now, we get this hot dog vendor who he turns around. He's counting a large stack of money because Miyagi's always got money with him. (laughs) Did you notice a really weird laugh loop that was going on? No. While the guy was looking at his his money, he was like, uh, like, Like the guy laughing while he was counting his money, but it was it was a very weird, creepy laugh. Maniacal, I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what? Not even not even maniacal. Just like I don't I don't even fully sleazy. know how to. Sleazy. Yeah, sleazy. Yes, that's a that's a way to put it. Yeah. Now up on the mountain, the gray ghosts are all racing against each other to get to the end. Faith hobbling along, thinks she should have taken that fitness class. Arista comes sauntering along talking some gibberish about Hollywood still. Um, I'll be honest. I Sure, Faith needs to take it a little bit easier. I mean, you know, she is getting older, but Arista really seems like maybe she needs some, like, actual professional help. Um, <laughs> yes. Maybe a home of some sort. Mm. She's not completely there. No. Uh, yeah. Now, there's two different paths you can go. There's a little fork in the in the road. Faith tries to take the shorter one. Uh, which means she's going to have to climb up some rocks. She's like, not a problem. I used to climb rocks all the time. But as she does, they give out, and she's left hanging for her life. My farmer is like, we got to help. Can I just Except say, that- she's the world champion of just clinging onto things. Like when she was on the uh, the uh, the drain pipe earlier, she, she must have been there for, you know, realistically, a good few minutes. And now she's hanging off this thing. You think she's yeah. going to be fine. She's great at this. She's got it. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of time. Yeah, she must have done a lot of rock climbing back in the day. Yeah. So uh, she's worked up uh, the calluses on those hands. Yeah, she's a former. Yeah, they don't mention she's a former world champion rock climber. <laughs> and so, and part of while she's the stuff kind of like fell below her. It also busted up like the bridge type thing that she had walked over. So nobody can really get to her. And Ma Farmer's like, "Look, we got to help her." Pa Farmer picks up this rock. Checks the wind, and then whirls his hand around for a while before he tosses at the fence to set off the security camera, and then maybe someone will come and help her. Very clever idea. Um, just a weird execution of it, but man, he's got that dude's got an arm on him. <clears throat> now we flip to Frump, looking at his own reflection in a very nicely polished gray ghost. He hears the alarm. And he can't believe that someone actually found his place. That's the whole point of your thing here, dude. And it was only it was only three clues, and the last one was actual directions. 
Now, he rolls in, he turns on TV to see Faith holding on for dear life, and then he rolls out to help her. Back outside, Faith sees Arista and asks her for help, uh, and Arista doesn't know how to play the role of hero. Again, maybe she she may need to see a doctor. Um, Faith says, stop being an idiot and dangle that feather boa down and save me. She does, but it's an old feather boa, so it snaps. Faith starts tumbling down the path. Daniel arrives on cue, kicks down uh, this old tree that's there to stop her fall. Doesn't crush her, but stops her from continuing to tumble. Uh, but as he helps her make it up to this, to this other like little level that they can walk across, the tree branch he's holding onto breaks, and he falls to his death. No, he falls and lands on top of the makeshift hot air balloon that is rising up the mountain. That supports his weight. Uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's 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 very strong. He bounces on it a bit, and you know instead of like just falling off completely, kind of like uh, if you're watching like Wipeout and they go along with the big balls when he hits it and bounces off. Uh, Miyagi catches him with ease. By the way, didn't even strain. Gets him. He's like, "Oh, do you need a lift?" <sighs> Come on now. Up, up now, and away. Back, exactly. <laughs> now back at the mansion, everyone is there. They're checking out the gray ghost car. They're like, "Man, that thing's pretty cool." And suddenly, Frump comes out, rolling around, uh, rolling out in his wheelchair. And Faith looks at him, and goes, "Jim Hollings." Now that's the twist I didn't see coming. I was assuming that Frump was always like the guy's name, but it turns out his real name is Jim Hollings. Arista walks up and hits him with her purse. She's so pissed that he is trying to tear down her house. I mean, again, uh, like, uh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like the eighties no, go ahead. of this, like the whole action and no thought process into it. This guy's in a wheelchair. She walks up and <laughs> annihilates him. <laughs> Just imagine somebody de- seeing someone do that in public. You'd be like, call the police. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah, she doesn't care whether his name is Hollings or Frump. She walks up and she just starts bashing with the with her purse. Frump is like, hey, I just learned about that. Oh, you just learned that you bought this house? I mean, I just, he just didn't know these people were, were in San Francisco the whole time after he bailed on them, which, I, by the way, I'm assuming... He stole the car when he left. Yep, stuck it with him. Their touring car that they were that like was their livelihood. He took it with him. He's like, "Look, I'll give you guys the house as a present. It's all yours. Take it." She then hits him again for leaving them all those years ago. And here's where they go for the uh, the Emmy moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frump Hollings says, "Leaving the ghosts was my first mistake." And then he rolls over to Faith and goes, "But leaving you was my biggest." He may have made millions, uh, but he's all alone, and they all had friendship. Faith then puts her arm around Daniel and Taki, credits uh, the youngsters for helping them realize that you need friendship. Daniel says they made him realize that old people can still do stuff. And Mr. Miyagi walks out of the mansion where he just kind of stole the shrine. <laughs> like, I don't think he ever got to walk in there nicely <laughs> Because they were all shocked when Frump rolls out and is just talking to him there. So he must have just was like, ah, well, they're talking to him. I'm going to go find the shrine. He's just sneaks Arista, <laughs> yeah, she runs up. She gra- snatches it away. She's like, I'm going to be in Hollywood pictures. And when she does, her heel finally breaks because she's been running around in heels this whole time. Drops the shrine and it shatters. 
Miyagi's like, don't sweat it. It's a fake. <sighs> but she didn't know that. He t- yeah. <laughs> and he says, next time uh, I see you become a real actress and get paid for the tears. She kisses him on the cheek. Credits. Cr- now, <sighs> this whole thing is based on the fact that Mr. Miyagi knows where the shrine is. He can sense it everywhere. Why are they in San Francisco? Is it someplace actually in San Francisco? Why did they go after it here if it's a fake? Because he should know. He should feel the vibes of it somehow. Taki should. She's supposed to be its protector. I'm really bothered by the fact that it turns out it was a fake. Yeah, there's a, there's a few issues with this, right? Okay, so my generation, uh, you know, are the people that were watching this when we were kids. How old was yep. I in 1989? I was three. I was three. I was Maybe. 14. Hey, there we go. So we're from two different kind of eras. Um, but like my generation are notoriously petty when it comes to uh, the finer details mm-hmm. in like movies like Star Wars and Marvel and stuff. So we'll call out things that are just inconsistent with things. And I think maybe it's because of shows like this that just make no sense at all. This is what we got brought up on. Hmm. So we're like we we live in this nonsensical world where cartoons just don't make sense and Mr. Miyagi just karate chops cars to to get them to start or whatever. You know, it's just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Now again, this was supposed to have 65 episodes to it. They were going to syndicate the series. I could just imagine them sitting around going, well, "Why didn't it work? <laughs> why did no yeah. one buy it?" Like also, um, they did. I'm also guessing they either had uh, a dartboard, or um, <laughs> maybe a, a roulette wheel, or possibly maybe like uh, you know, like at a carnival type thing where you get balloons and you got to throw darts to pop them and you can win whatever prize there. That's how they picked which 13 episodes they were going to take and which order they would be in. I just because these none of these match up with anything. This one clearly is something where I could see if you did 65 episodes, it's somewhere along the line they're being a fake. Would make sense, mm-hmm. but in what they have here and everything else that they've led up to, like to not actually have the shrine do anything in this one is is just so odd. I I did make a note of um, I filled a whole page of notes, but one of the things I wrote down was how are these episodes storyboarded? Because I can just imagine this this table this table of people. And like, okay, we need ideas, guys. We need ideas. And they're just like, well, suddenly a goat cart appears from just nowhere. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So where's the goat cart come from? I don't know. These are kids. They're stupid. You know? I, I think they start off first with, all right, guys, 65 episodes. Give me 65 cities around yeah. the world. Yeah. Let's go through them. Boom, 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 boom. All right, now what could happen to each one of these? Well, obviously this... Uh, what happens in Australia? They go on a walkabout. What happens in San Francisco? Ooh, scavenger hunt. What? I don't know. <laughs> who knows what it could have been uh, there. But yeah, they, they bounce around. There is no connection to any of this. Now, also, if you want to think about the fact that last time we saw it, they were in Norway and the thing floated away. Instead of making it all the way to San Francisco, um, I think it's someplace in the south in the next uh, final episode, <laughs> which would make more sense, which means it didn't get all the way around the globe, San Francisco, but there is a fake. There's a replica. Probably the same one that shows up in season three of Cobra Kai is, you know, it's another another copy of that because um, there's a very shrine looking thing. 
in one of the episodes there. Oh, uh, we'll talk that. more about Cobra Kai next week in the spotlight. So there's callbacks to this in Cobra Kai. Then. Uh, according to them, co- according to the writers, Cobra Kai uh, does, says that the cartoon is not part of the canon. Uh, uh, however, they do have a very shrine-looking object in one of the scenes. Ah, okay. Maybe just yeah. a little Easter egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's all it was meant to be. I really was hoping that Taki would show up in, in an episode, like in, in a season to help out Daniel somehow. That would have been great. Um, but uh, overall, it, look, this has got... Okay, there's some nice twists to this. It's Frump's just not his real name. It's Jim Hollings. I would have liked to explain why he came up with the name Frump. Uh, I don't. I don't think they needed all the gray ghosts because Arista is very annoying. The gardening people are kind of odd. I, I wish they would have used the tomato cannon again. Yeah, that would be yeah. great. <clears throat> um, Alex. So uh, as, as when we get done with these episodes, I always like everyone to give me a, a rating, a one to ten scale. Um, what what are you going to give this episode overall? As I mean, like this is the only episode I've watched. I just want the listeners to know that I only watched this one, um, but I kind of like. I loved it. I <laughs> it's, it is ridiculous. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, like you said. There's just stupid bits in it, but like. I was watching this and I was transported back to when I was a kid, just watching. It was just crap what we watched, wasn't it? And it just it's absolute nostalgic joy now. But back in the time, it was just we didn't care what was in front of us. We just sat and watched it, and it just took me back there. Um, so the fact that it's it's transported me back to better times, I'm gonna give it a good eight out of ten. Okay, because I just I just loved how ridiculous it was. Uh, any any particular eight out of ten somethings? Oh yes, eight out of ten uh, <laughs> um, bonsai trees. There we go. <laughs> oh, all right, all right. So eight out of ten bonsai trees. Uh, I'm going to give this one six out of ten geezers. Geezers. Yeah, six out of ten geezers. <laughs> geezers. Yeah. yeah. Actually, you know what? I should give it five out of ten because there are only five great ghosts. But then Mr. Miyagi's there. Technically, he counts as geezers. So yeah, we'll stick with six. All right. So uh, I am going to take. I'm going to take that. Uh, your uh, 8 out of 10 bonsais, 6 out of 10 geezers. We're going to put that into the Genuine Real Electro Algorithmic Total Numerical Efficiency Sorting System, a.k.a. the Greatest Meter. Type, 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 type. 9.677. Hey. The overall rating. This may be our highest rated show, or second highest, because I think there's one other one that gets a little bit more than that. And again, oh. it's not. I'm not going to be honest. This isn't the Oscars. I ain't going for the finest moments or the, the the fact that the story makes sense or anything like that. It's the fact that it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous, and I like that about it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Next thing, question for you is, who is your episode MVP? Um. Again, in a few weeks when I do the wrap-up episode, folks, we will announce the official series MVP. Uh, so anybody who's up for an episode MVP will be eligible for that. Um. But Alex, who do you got? Oh, you know it's faith straight away. Straight it's faith. Like if if I was ever yeah. ever gonna date an older lady, it'd be faith. She's just badass. You know, she'd just be a freak <laughs> in the sheets. You know, she'd just be like, right, I got these. Well, she's obviously not ropes. making you cookies or brownies <laughs> or anything. So yeah, I mean, yeah, she's using her rock climbing techniques uh, to climb something else. Yeah, is what man. you're saying? She's tying you down. She's tying you down, and she's doing things to you that you've never seen before. You know, mm. and then maybe maybe that's why she uh, like she lost a license. Yeah, she was doing freaky stuff on the <laughs> yeah. Oh, maybe, maybe. 
And I, I mean, she never touches the stuff when it comes to the the cookies and stuff. So who knows? Who knows no, what but, other stuff she's uh, into? She got to have some kind of vices. <laughs> uh, so, but I mean, not not being sexist, of course. I mean, it, it, she's just no. a cool character. She is just a cool character. You know, she's the hip old granny that can climb up a, a scale aside side of a building and and kick out. She's she's like, you know. Why are you stopping at the red light? I love that about it. She's just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. And I, I think she's brilliant. So yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I am going to uh, my episode MVP. I'm actually going to go with Frump because that <laughs> dude has the city locked down with those cameras. Oh, like, he's yeah. able to see everything in perfect clear vision and hear it perfectly all over the place. Plus, he's, he's haunted by the past. Um, I really thought we'd get like a little flashback scene at some point, like when he looked at the picture, like. You get a flashback to him and them doing stuff like old and timey <laughs> uh, when they first got the great ghost or, or seeing him like leave them or something like them that, but I mean, he left and then he made an entire movie empire apparently off of it. Yeah. Uh, and never once thinking to maybe put his own friend in a movie, but I don't think she's that great of an actress anyway, but <laughs> just, uh, there it is. So we've got, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> So we got Faith, we got uh, Frump and his cameras as our MVPs. Uh, folks, a couple weeks, like I said, we will name an overall series MVP. Um, you know, so best of luck to those two. All right, uh, last things we got to do to wrap up. Alex, thank you, sir, for oh. uh, coming on and joining our, our little show here. I'm glad you loved it. Uh, I got a little teary-eyed when you were describing how you enjoyed it because of the nostalgic value of it. Yeah. That's exactly... Uh, kind of the whole point of doing this, even though I keep picking very odd shows to watch. Oh no, but like um, this show is is wonderful. I mean, like I was looking at IMDb and the people that are voiced for this, and the people that went on to be absolute legends in the game. You, of course, you got James Avery and Pat Morita and Rob Paulson. Rob Paulson voiced in this. Do you know what I mean? And then there's my uh, Charlie Adler. Who's, I'm a guy. I'm I'm kind of learning how to do a bit of voice acting. I guess everybody does podcasts wants to go down that route. Um, but Charlie Adler, who is one of the most um, prolific voice actors uh, in the world, um, he's in this. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, voice acting talent that cut in the teeth in something like this. So it is important to take a look back sometimes. Yeah, there, my theory, again, is that they had 65 episodes set up when they didn't do that. They scrambled around because, like. You mentioned James Avery. He has like one line in one <laughs> e, episode. So I think they're so I think they were like, hey, just who's here today recording? Can you have him come in and just read a couple lines? Yeah. I can and it's just like that. as they were doing stuff, they're like, just uh, who's here again today? Those five yeah, just have those guys come over. Have I them mean, say so have here, just everyone read a little line here and there. But I mean, um, you look at the caliber of uh, Charlie Adler at the time was doing the voice for uh, Paddington Bear which he did with, with Tim Curry. That was like critically mm -hmm. acclaimed. Um, so like, you know, and then you've got Jim Cummings, who was of course Tigger, you know, it, there's just amazing talent in, in something as, as terrible, but brilliant as this. So, yeah. 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 It, it just, it seems to be very spread out over um, a lot. This is one of the very few episodes where they do have multiple like guest characters. So you have Faith, you have Arisa. Um, the, the farmer couple doesn't talk quite as much, but, uh, and then you also get Frump. So you get a lot more people talking in this one than, than most of the other episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, 
but fo- uh, folks, again, thank you, Alex, for coming on. Tell everyone uh, where they can find uh, your show, uh, The Shrewsbury Biscuit, right? Yeah, I mean, like you guys, uh, wherever you are in the world, you're not necessarily going to listen to my podcast because it is a very local podcast. It's called The Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast, and I've been doing it for, for four years now, over 400 episodes. And we oh, wish, geez. yeah, and I've been doing this for a few years now. Um, and we will speak to independent business owners, um, artists and authors. We'll go to events, festivals. We'll speak to charities. Um, I mean, the show's even on a Monopoly board. It's uh, We've done <laughs> an awful lot with it. Um, it's, uh, You're it's on a been, Monopoly board? I'm on a Monopoly board. I'm actually part of the Hasbro universe. It's crazy. Um, so Shrewsbury's got its own version of Monopoly. And to help the uh, the PR company, we did a couple of podcasts and we turned we got a closed prison here, which is now a tourist uh, attraction and uh, they did it all there so we, we turned up with microphones but I was, I was like you know uh, maybe in exchange you can chuck us on a square maybe you know and they did they put our logo on the on the monopoly board so yeah it's uh, quite a, I, I'm, I'm very good at speaking to people and be like yo can we do this thing for this thing and maybe we can skills or whatever and it's it paid off really well wow well uh, that that is that is amazing uh, I assume people can find it wherever they find yeah, their uh, favorite podcasts Spotify, iTunes, um, and we do little bits on YouTube as well. In fact, just for the sake of it, just go to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast YouTube uh, channel and just subscribe. Just subscribe because just to help us out a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we do. Do we make some great vlogs? And if you do want to get a bit of insight as to what's going on in the UK over here, it might help you out a bit. It might give you a bit of an insight. All right, excellent. And uh, you know, and you said there's a uh, an old prison there that's our tourist attraction. So folks find out more about Shrewsbury yeah. and then you can go visit. If you're listening in the UK, come to Shrewsbury. It's a medieval town. This is where Charles Darwin was born and there's lots and lots to look at. And uh, yeah, take my word. Oh. Well, you're selling it for me as well. <laughs> uh, folks, that's where you can hear Alex. If you need more of me, these episodes have been coming out on Fridays, uh, 33 years to the date of when the original episode aired. But you can also catch me on Mondays, Derek and Terry and I are the Monster Hunters, rewatching a 60-year-old show about a Frankenstein monster and his grotesque family. Go to www.monsterhunters.com uh, to hear about more about that, hear about our Patreon. Uh, just check the show out. Uh, much like this show, the recaps are better than any actual episode ever actually was. <laughs> um, folks, next week is the final episode, episode 13. They don't tell us where we are. We're just down south somewhere. Uh, but we're going to be down south with uh, our friend Reed Messerschmidt. And we're going to put a, a final wrap up on this whole thing. Uh, so for myself uh, and for Alex, that was great, wasn't it? Hey there. Greatness meter here. How great was that? Not bad by my standards. But then again, who am I besides a semi-sentient AI program whose sole purpose is to properly rate these episodes? On behalf of Keith and myself... Let's all give a big thanks to Insert guest name here Weren't they just the best? The real bees knees Imagine how amazing they are on their own programs where content quality easily has a higher bar Now Don't just imagine Go subscribe Listen Rate etc to show our appreciation While you are there Why not do the same for us? iTunes Good pods Podchaser or wherever Reviews and comments are always welcome And the show is available wherever the best podcasts hang out, so subscribe right quick. Also, if it so moves you, tell a friend or family or whoever you think would dig this type of show to give us a listen as well. 
Word of mouth is always the best way to let others know about the fun we have here. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at How Great Was That. Check out our back catalogue if you haven't done so already. That was great. Wasn't It is produced by Keith Gawler, and edited by me, The Greatness Meter. The theme music was composed by the Dr. Dre of Kansas, Terry Vicroy. That Was Great is broadcast via Anchor, a member of the Podfix Network and is a Crispy Dodo production. Come back again next week. We look forward to hearing you listen to an all-new episode of That Was Great. Wasn't it?